0: Open your Bible to John chapter number 20. John chapter number 20 and verse number 1. The Bible says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher. That's the place where they had put Jesus. That's the tomb. And see the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Verse 2 says, Then she runneth and come to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, which was John, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid them. See, the Sabbath started at, at sundown on Friday. And, and, and so they could not go do anything with Jesus on Saturday which is why Mary went at the first light of the first day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. So she went at first light the first day of the week. But the interesting thing that I see here about Mary is so many times you and I get in situations where our life, it is turned upside down and that which we have lived after and followed after seems to have demised. Maybe it's a dream on the inside of you that God has called you to complete something but for whatever reason it has laid dormant and you can't seem to resuscitate it anymore. What do you do? They, The disciples had all followed Jesus. There were countless other ones that were following Jesus. Mary Magdalene, the Bible said she had been delivered of seven different devils and she had followed Jesus. So how did she she go about whenever her life was turned upside down by what she followed after and was alive all of a sudden now is dead. What does she do? She goes to the last place that she encountered Jesus. You see, you and me are not called to live by fear. and We're not called to live by doubt. We're not called to live by things that concern us. But the Bible says that we are to live by faith. The Scripture says in Revelations that we overcome with two different ingredients. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Mary understood the fact that she had to get to Jesus and the only thing she knew is the last place she laid eyes on Jesus' body was in that grave, therefore she was going there. Some of the times you go through life and a struggle comes up and you try to figure out how can I get from point A to point B, I say, where's the last place you encountered Jesus? Go there. How many times in your life have you looked back at a testimony and all of a sudden it has helped you get through the next thing? It's because you look back and said, this is the last place I encountered Jesus. He changes not. I'm going to go find Him. Whatever you're going through, make sure that the number one goal of your life is to stay in touch with Jesus. There are seasons when you mess up. There are seasons when something goes wrong. There are seasons when all hell is raging against you. And the only thing you can do is find the last place you encounter Jesus. It may be a testimony of somebody else. How many times has somebody told you about something good happening and all of a sudden you just feel the Spirit of God coming on the inside of you and you say, man, that's a good thing. I'm so glad that it happened. Find somebody who will testify of the goodness of God. Find somebody that's not going to... You know, Job's an interesting character... The Bible said basically that uh, when the devil came looking for somebody to pick on God said, if you considered my servant Job, well the interesting thing is is Job was upright before God and perfect the Bible says in his ways so God was literally daring the devil to try his number one servant at the time which was Job knowing that Job would not turn his back on God. And the Bible says that as Job lost everything and was sulking and covered himself in ashes and sackcloth that his friends came there and began to sulk with him and did you know the friends that did nothing but sulk with him and cry in their soup with him didn't do Job one lick of good you've got to find the last place that you encounter Jesus and whether you got to get there early in the morning late at night noonday or some other time you've got to get to the place where you've touched God So many times somebody has a word for you in due season and so many times they don't even know they're giving it. They're just talking about their own life and they're saying, you know, I never told you this but five years ago me and my husband were about to call it quits. And you would look at them and you would say, I can't believe it, you're the happiest couple imaginable. And then they say, yeah, we were about to call it quits. And then, you know, all of a sudden God just moved in our life and we gave our marriage over to Him and now we're closer than we've ever been and all these other things. And all of a sudden on the inside of you something leaps for joy because on the inside of you you're saying, if God will do it for them, He'll do it for me. Yes. Amen. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony. Go down to verse number 18. This is uh, after Jesus, the Bible says, rose from the dead. Mary Magdalene is there. And, and he's having a, he, she's having a conversation with him. Uh, she goes to the tomb. And then she's going back to the people. She has a conversation with him. And then the Bible says that Mary Magdalene goes back to where the disciples were. Verse number 18. It says, Mary Magdalene came, told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And that he had spoken these things unto her. Verse number 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, which means it's still Sunday, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, meaning they were scared that the Jews were going to kill them like they killed Jesus, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Isn't it interesting that Jesus showed up when the disciples were assembled together on a Sunday? I think you should be in church on a Sunday morning. I think if we have a Sunday evening service, you should be there. Listen, I don't, not, it's not for my benefit, I promise you. Because long before I was a pastor, I was on church, I was at church on Sunday morning. I was on church on Sunday evening. I was on church on Wednesday evening. Between services, we were doing things. Here's the deal. This place right here, which is not our building, by the way. We're still believing God in the name of Jesus for our building. But this building, this place, this sanctuary is a hospital for you. So in good times, it's a place where you're supposed to come in shouting and, and laying hands on other people saying, I'm telling you, God's doing big things in my life, and I just wanted to pour over on you. Let me bless somebody. And it's the place where in your worst times you ought to be crawling on your hands and knees to get into get in here if you have to because Jesus might show up right here in the midst did you know there's some times in the Bible where the Bible said Jesus would be teaching and then it says and he had compassion on them and healed them all how'd you like to miss that service How'd you like to miss the boat sinking blessing service? How'd you like to miss the service when somebody gets raised from the dead? How'd you like to be like old Thomas who doubted everything and said, The only way I'm going to get to, I'm going to believe Jesus rose from the dead is if I stick my finger, stick my hand in his side and I touch the scars on his hand. How'd you like to be that guy when Jesus does show up? The scripture says, which we'll read here in a second, it says that blessed are those who believe but don't see. Church is a hospital. The, a matter of fact, turn to Hebrews chapter 10 real quickly. Hebrews chapter number 10, if you have your Bible, around verse number 23. If you have it, put it on the board for me, please. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. When you're there, say amen. amen. The scripture says, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. Y'all bear with me as technology catches up. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another unto love. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking, getting together as Christians, as is is the manner, as the manner of some is. Let's not do away with getting together. You see, you're going to find yourself in good times. And it's the good times where it's easy enough to go, man, I tell you what, I need to sleep in everything's going good, I, I, I need to sleep, I need to, I'm need i going to go watch those movies. Now listen, I'm not talking about missing church occasionally and all those other things. I'm talking about developing a culture where it is identifiable by your lifestyle that you are a child of God. Is that okay? Yeah. So the Scripture says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Meaning a lot of people are going away from getting together in faith. That's what the Scripture saying right here. But here's what we're going to do, but exhorting one another. We're not going to forsake getting together, we're going to exhort one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Would you agree that there is a lot of sin in the world right now? Would you agree that we have to protect our children from seeing wickedness probably more now than we ever had to and being touched by it and all those other things? So as the day of our Lord, the dreadful day, it's not dreadful for you and me, but it's dreadful for those who don't know Him. Because here's the thing, at the sound of the name Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. Now me and you are going to go, no duh, we've been doing it for years. But for other people it's going to be a dreadful day. So the scenario is, is we ought to get really good at getting together and exhorting and lifting one another up. You say, I'm on cloud nine, brother. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. Well, go pray for somebody and let that stuff come off of you and get on them. You say, well, everything's wrecked in my life. I don't know what to do. I had not seen God. I can't smell God. I don't know where God is. Well, get where you last saw Him and He happens to like church. The first day of the week, he just showed up right in the middle of him. The Bible says that he will open doors that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. And he didn't even need one. He just appeared. Let's get good at assembling together. Verse number 20. And when he had... Oh, no, no, hold on. Verse number 19. Where the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, meaning Jesus just appeared, and saith unto them, Peace unto you. The word be there is in italics, which means it's, it's added for translation purposes to try to make it easier for us to understand. So one way would be, Peace be unto you. But really said, Peace unto you. And when he had said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. I am so thankful that Jesus, the first thing he said to the disciples when he showed up in the middle of them was peace. But I promise you, they were more glad than I am right now. Because every one of them had turned their back in some regard. Now I know John was still at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mom. But the bottom line is, is, which one of you would want to be the guy that abandoned Jesus when he went to get killed? They were probably all sitting there, stricken with grief, saying, "I should have died with him, I should have been on the cross next to him. I should have tried to pull him down. I should have done more i should have i should have they were probably weeping before God, trying to figure out what would he even say to me if he saw me today? I know he 's full of love and compassion, but at the same time, I knew he was the Son of God. I walked with him and talked with him, saw him heal people. What would he say to me i can 't believe after three years, I still turned my back on him, and the first thing he says is, Peace. I don't care where you are and how far you've gone from God. The first thing you should anticipate hearing from God. When you decide to make your way home. Is peace. The prodigal son's father was not sitting at the gate. Looking down the road saying when my boy gets here I'm going to tan his hide. He was sitting there. Asking the guy who took care of the cattle. Do you have that fatted calf ready? Because one day he's coming home. And I want to make sure that thing's ready. I don't you make me wait on that fatted calf. I'm preparing for my son to come home. Yeah. Get an accurate image of who God is. In the moment when the disciples were probably feeling the most vexed and condemned. The first thing he says is. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to offer you the peace that I just, that I just paid the price for. So the scripture says, verse 21, Then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, so I send you. Did you know you have a job? Did you know you have a commission or a task? You're not called to just come in here and lift your hands and sense the presence of God so strongly during praise and worship, which our team does such a phenomenal job at. You're not here to just amen me when I say something that you you agree with. You're not here to just come in here and and dress nice on a Sunday morning or or come in here and and enjoy these nice comfortable seats that God's blessed us with. You're not just here to try to look the part. You have a role in this thing. Jesus said, just like Dad sent me, you got to go too. You can't just call yourself a Christian and not share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are dying every day going into an uncertain eternity and we offer the answer to that problem. Yet for whatever reason, our lips seem sealed in the most opportune moments. How many times have you been in that place where you're at the funeral and you're going, I hope, but I'm not sure. Hopefully somebody got to them. But let's not look at that job as everybody else's job. But let's recognize that Jesus said... I'm going to send you. Verse 22 says... And when he had said this... He breathed on them... And said unto them... Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the helper. The Holy Ghost is our power source. The Holy Ghost is able to, to dwell on the inside of you... Whenever you have been cleaned by the blood of Jesus... But this act of Him breathing on them, it's both prophetic of Acts chapter number 2 where the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come in uh, with the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's also reminiscent of uh, Ezekiel chapter number 37, if you, 37, I believe it's 37, where the valley of the dry bones is. And the Bible says that God's speaking and He calls Him the Son of Man. And He says, what I want you to do is is call the wind onto these dry bones to breathe onto these dry bones and give them life. So what Jesus was doing is He was showing, I'm here to give you life. And it's just kind of a, it's a very uh, a beautiful picture of what He's doing. And the Bible says this in verse number 23. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. That word omit can definitely be interchanged with the word forgive, but it's a much more broad word than that. It literally, that that word remit, it's a much more broad word than just forgive. It literally means that you can cause somebody to lose the sin That has bound them. You can cause somebody to omit. You can omit somebody's faults. Just the same way the Bible says you have the responsibility, you have the authority to do that. When you don't do that, you are choosing to leave that person tied up and bound in sin. That's why it says if you choose to let them retain it, then they will retain it. So as you go through this life, just don't ever forget the freedom of the grace that you've been given. Have you ever noticed that the holier people get the harder they are on other people? Not in this church, bless God. But have y'all ever entered, have y'all ever come across uh, uh, Brother Bucket Mouth or, or Sister Sandpaper? That you know they 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 start out real they start out real good with it. They started out real, real, real gentle. I said, you know, I've just been praying for you. And, and I just wanted to share what the Lord has put on my heart. And, and, and I just think you shouldn't wear that green shirt so much because it makes you look ugly. I said, what are you talking about? I think that I've been, I just, you know what? I've been praying for you. And I just believe this, 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 this. this. The Bible says faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So as we go on through the, through the Scripture, we understand that you have the ability to omit or forgive people of their sins. But at the same time, that same authority that you have, when you don't do that, you are choosing to bind them. So what do you mean? Well, you got a nephew that does you wrong. You co signed for him on a lawnmower so he can go start his own business and he quit paying the note and five years later you're still holding it over his head. You are retaining that thing on him. He wants to call you. He wants to know how do I get to have the relationship with God that you have but you are retaining this thing on him. I'm not saying he should have done that. Maybe you shouldn't have co-signed. He was 16. How many good decisions did you make at 16. Our life fulfilled, our lives are filled with great opportunities. Can we get good at giving people the grace that we freely walk in? Thomas, one of the twelve, verse 24, called Didymus, was not with him when Jesus came. How would you like to miss church that day? Thomas, he was here. I'd say I don't believe you too. I'd, I'd say you're lying, you he weren't here. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto him, Except I shall see in his hand the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I won't believe. And after eight days, again his disciples were within. So this is the following Monday. And Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came in. The doors were still shut, so he just appeared again. And thank God... He greeted him with the same kind of greeting that he would. Peace unto you, he said. Verse number 27. He said to Thomas, Reach hither your finger and behold my hands. And reach hither, reach here your hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, Thomas, but believing. Verse 28 Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you've seen, because thou hast seen me, you've believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, yet believe, yet have believed. And many other signs truly Jesus did in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through Him. Everybody's been Thomas. Everybody's been in that place where they're doubting God. Fight it. Fight it with every fiber of your being. If you hear a report that does not line up with the report of the Lord, fight it with every fiber of your being. You say, what happens if it doesn't? Then you go to heaven. Paul said it like this when he was threatened with the same ideology. For me to live is Christ to you. But for me to die is gain. God came to give us life and life more abundant. That's what his scripture says. Fight doubt at every corner. You see, I find it very interesting. Thomas gets such a bad rap and nobody can even say Thomas without putting the adjective that most people describe him with. is doubting Thomas. But I find it very interesting that doubting Thomas was still there eight days later. Thomas wasn't sure Jesus was dead. He just wasn't sure Jesus was alive. He was in that flux between faith and doubt where we find ourselves so oftentimes. And can I add this? There must not have been a sister sandpaper and a brother bucket mouth in that house. Because even though Thomas has not had not risen to the level of revelation that the other disciples were walking in, they obviously did not throw him out of the church. Can we let the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost? Can we just be the hands and feet of Christ? There's certainly times whenever you have the access into somebody's life to help them get some areas straight. But so many times people walk through these doors. And listen, we already do a great job of it. I'm not talking anything about anybody. I'm just making sure that we all understand our position. People walk through those doors back there and we don't know what they need. We don't know where they stand. We don't know what somebody in church said to them and did to them. We don't know if their idea of church is this or if they're going to think, what are these lights and music so loud? I don't understand it. We don't know what they're going to think. Thomas was in this flux between believing and doubt, doubt and believing. These are my friends. They said they saw it, but I just can't believe it. I saw his body. They wrapped it up and put it in a grave. How can I believe this? Yet eight days later, he's still there, so he's wrestling with something. And the same God that you and I cling to showed up in the room again and didn't tell Thomas, shame on you. But he told Thomas, right here, brother, come here. Touch me right here. Can you imagine, Thomas? No, I I can't believe I doubted Jesus in the corner. I can see Jesus going and picking him up. No, 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 no. Come here. If you have to touch the hole in my side, I want you to touch the hole in my side. I want you to believe, Thomas. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do. You're praying for somebody right now, a loved one that you believe is lost, and you're praying and praying and praying, and you're saying, How can he do it? How can he get there? He knows if it means touching the scars in his hand and putting his hand, your hand, their hand in his side, he'll do it. The scripture says this plainly He will leave the 99 sheep, that's you and me, by the way, and he'll go find the one that's lost in the wilderness and he knows just how to find them. He knows what they need. He knows exactly where they need to touch him. He knows exactly where he needs to touch them. He has it figured out. Our job, Thomas, believe. Reject doubt. At every moment, in every area, at every time, Any time doubt tries to sneak in, just go away from it. Thank God they didn't throw him out, y'all. Thank God Thomas, who didn't say the right thing, didn't dress the right way, didn't talk the right way, didn't have the right attitude, didn't have this. A week later, you could still find him in church because none of the other 11, none of the other 10 decided, you're not holy enough, get out let's catch the fish and let God clean them it's what he did with you don't think long but for a half a second think about the most wicked thing you ever did now thank God that he's taken you from there to here and you've got a long way to go yet so do I, got a long way to go we're walking this thing out day by day verse 31, almost done but these are written that you might believe. The whole Bible. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The Bible is written so that we'll believe Jesus is the Son of God. And that believing, you might have life through His name. The Bible's written so that you would believe. Why do you need to believe? So that you might have life all these testimonies are written with one goal every one of them has an ulterior motive not so they can be overwhelmingly allegorical or some kind of literary brilliance which they are but they're written that you might believe and in believing when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God then you have access to life through His name Not just any life. The Zoe life. Many of you are Bible scholars. But I'm going to read the definition that I prefer. Zoe life. That's the Greek word for life there. It says life real and genuine. A life active and vigorous. Devoted to God. Blessed in the portion even... This world of those who put their trust in Christ. But after the resurrection, to be consummated by new ascensions. Among them, even a more perfect body to last forever. Everything in this book is so you'll believe. And the reason He wants you to believe is so that you can have a real, genuine life. An active, vigorous life. Don't you just feel alive when the presence of God is tangible and manifested. Blessed in the portion, even in this world, of those who put their trust in Christ. But here's the deal even after the resurrection, to be consummated by new ascension, meaning to go from one level to another level, from glory to glory, among them you get a more perfect body. Now, I don't need one, but a more perfect body. There's so many things that He came for. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Do you have John 10, 10? Throw that up there. Last scripture, then we're going to go, guys. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. I'm come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. Does anybody have a King James Bible that's paper? The word it, the word it is added for emphasis. What was actually said there by Jesus is I'm come that they may have zoe, that they may have a real genuine life, active and vigorous, and that they may have abundance. Not it. Abundance. He came that you may have a vigorous life and abundance. What do you mean abundance? I mean not lacking. Would you or would you not be more effective for the gospel if you didn't have to work 85 hours a week? Sure, you can be good on the job site. Absolutely. Bless God. Thank God for our jobs. But the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy... And Jesus said that He came to give you a vigorous, active life and more than enough. I just believe the Bible. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Thomas was in that flux between doubt and belief. He was in that place between not sure and sure. But for whatever reason, he stuck around for eight days. If you don't do anything else in your relationship with God, understand the power of perseverance. If it feels like the devil's going to beat you, then outlast him. If you find yourself away from God and all your dreams are dead, find the last place where you know you encountered him. And rush there. Stay there. You'll find him and he'll find you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're such a good... Girl. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.